Today we circle back to something briefly mentioned in the last episode, unpacking some white folks' discomfort with the phrase, Black Lives Matter. This is Jews Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy, a weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. So Tracy, in our most recent episode, a lot of interesting themes came up and I wanted to circle back because you alluded briefly to the story I told about someone in my personal professional life uh, who I recently, I recently connected to this person and I wanted to dig a little deeper into that exchange because I think that there are several interesting themes there and that I think may relate to conversations or statements that happen in the Jewish community and within our organizations at times more broadly. And so I think um, us doing some additional exploration and unpacking from that will be helpful for not only us, but also uh, for folks listening in. You know, I was uh, in a conversation with someone the other day and he, and, uh, he was talking about a conversation he had specifically to spell it out so that people have some context to what you alluded to earlier, this idea that um, that it would have been nice if Black Lives Matter, like I said that with a little bit of a Jewish lilt, you know, and it would have been, would have been nice. It would have been nice if... Uh, sort of an offhand comment that it would, it would be easier for ad to advocate for this with um, con conservative members of our Jewish community in the broader world, because, you know, all lives matter just sounds so nice. And uh, you know, black lives matter, people get hung up on it. There was a little bit of nuance in what he said. I mean, immediately internally, and I like this person a lot. We're just getting to know each other. And I, um, I think he's a great person. And I immediately bristled because I really adore and respect the minds of, of black women yeah. and of people of color. Uh, there's critiques. People feel comfortable making critiques of black leadership and black leadership decisions in a way that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, with other folks. And uh, particularly when the movement has been as powerly success, like, and it, to me, it's interesting, like, where are you placing the emphasis on the movement's efficacy and the huge strides it's made in the last year or, or our communities and, or our communities, um, some of the holdouts within our community around um, embracing a very simple idea about um, the humanity of, of black people. Yeah. Anyway, it was just said in such a way that it got, I never, it was said, and it sounds similar to other things that I would immediately push back against. And I may be missing some of the flavor and context of the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, my, I also bristle when you are telling me this story, I, my response is just no, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, that, that reaction that says like, why, why do you have to say that is, it's just a well, fundamental misunderstanding. Is, as someone who was making the as someone who was working within his this the professional sphere he's in, and I realize part of what's what's problematic about it, the professional sphere of working with other people to help them under 
stand it. Um, you know, he, you know, he was saying it would be nicer if the language were easier, right? But there's um, uh, there's just there's a certain level. There was a certain and he said it in a kind, you know, it was all in the midst of a, a kind conversation, but it gets back to some of my fundamental friction points with people in certain facets of my community where yeah. the level of privilege, as if this was some media campaign, as if it weren't um, as organic and absolutely necessary, we have nothing else left to do um, or very few options right, <laughs> remain right. that are peaceful. Um, right. you know, there was a, a, a significant amount of detachment from it that is not accountable to the life I have lived. Or the, um, just the or, context or, of it. Or people of color. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the hashtag didn't, it wasn't cooked up by a media company. It was a reaction to repeated killings of black folks, um, you know, and young it, ones at that oftentimes was, young. It it was, a, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tamir Rice and, and, and others, there's, there's so many again and again and again and again. And it, so it was a reaction like black lives matter too. In addition to your life, it's, it's not, you know, it wasn't so the, the, it wasn't cooked up in it by some PR campaign who like misjudged. It was a genuine reaction. And the other thing about it that I would, I would, if I, if I were in a conversation with this person you spoke to, I would say would be to tell those folks who are balking, like when we said save the whales in the eighties, people didn't see it as like, well, screw all those other fish. All I care about is the whale. I mean, it, we read it as whales are endangered. And so let's do something about it. That's what Black Lives Matter means. Black people are endangered in our society. So let's do something about it. So then that makes me want to take a few minutes and unpack. Like, so what's happening invisibly in that conversation and those dynamics, right? Because part of me, like my mind went into, and I believe it's my Angelou who talked about this, um, that one of the core purposes that racism serves and that happened to me in this conversation um, is, is a distraction, right? Like I began yes. thinking about Isabel Wilkerson's book and cast and different things. But then as I thought about it later, I was like, no, everyone, everyone in the world knows that black people are in the United States are discriminated against. So, so this is so like in this conversation, this person to a certain extent or another was accepting this willful, racist, um, maybe not intentionally racist, but very much racist, racist denial of basic facts that are deeply entrenched in the history of the United States that thousands of books and hundreds of movies have been produced about. And um, millions of people all, lived and, and then, the, And if this conversation happened post this summer, the entire world saw, saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yes. So, yes. and it's, I think I want, I, it's not, it is not intentional. And I think that is, I'm glad that you sort of said that because I think that's very clear. And I don't know, it reminds me of, I have had similar conversations around the phrase defund the police. And I was on well, the side of saying, it, like, it depends on which part is not intentional, right? Because there is a certain point at which from your from your acquaintance, from your acquaintance, right. I don't think he was intentionally saying I'm gonna be racist. 
he was, no. you know, oh, he oh, was absolutely reacting not. to, no. no. you know, I mean, he actually, to be an ally. he was, he was saying like, how could this be more palatable to the people to whom I know it's not palatable? So his intentions were good, but Ooh, we all I know, in fact, and intentions don't matter. Don't. Right. And there's something inherently, and I want, I want to hear Jeff just saying, I just had a thought about it. And there's a, like a layer of, of, of racism around how it's the black people's job. Yes. Like, as opposed <laughs> yes. to it's my people and my people are being racist and a part of a system. And so these amazing leaders have done this incredible work. And now it's my job to do some work, especially someone who's not getting targeted by the cops daily or has to worry about the welfare of their family members. To say this in a way that's more that's more contextualized in, within my community, right? And and so to me, like and again, some certain things like that might happen anyway. But in the context of the history of racism and slavery, where labor, where the expectation was that things get done because of people of color, it's a similar kind of thing here, as opposed to being like, wow, they started this international movement that is leading to so much change and impact and is raising visibility. How can I assist with this? You yeah. were going to say something. Uh, well, I was, out of my aha. No, I was, I was going to make a point about um, defund the police, which I had a similar sort of conversation where I was on the side saying, can we come up with language that's less inflammatory and um, a white, a colleague of mine um, in the work said, Tracy, it's not about your comfort. And um, yeah, it's not about my comfort. And so if I don't, if I'm uncomfortable with that phrase, then I need to figure out what it means, really what it means, not what, where my brain goes initially. Um, in the same way that the folks who hear Black Lives Matter and go, well, but all lives matter. You have some work to do. I have right. some work to do around defund the police. Um, not because I don't see the problem in the way that American policing happens, um, but because that phrase feels uncomfortable. And so I want to dig into that discomfort and investigate um, right. what's well, behind I, well, it. And I think, cause I, and I think there are multiple layers to it. Oh my gosh, this is so much for like, this is such a juicy episode. Uh, sometimes I get so many ideas and then I just, they all just kind of tumble out of the basket. It's back to me now. It's boomeranged back to me now. <laughs> Darn it. Um, right. So, I mean, I was initially like, Ooh, that's intense. And then all it took was one infographic of being like, oh, right. In our cities, all these services around mental health, around housing, around all these different fundamental issues that are directly tied to the safety of a city and what people feel they need to do in order to, you know, get the, their basic needs met, like food and shelter. Right. Um, Right. You know, it was so disproportionate that I was like, oh, and, the, and then for me, I was totally on board. <sighs> and some of these things I might want to come back to, to have like further conversations about them. Cause we're touching up on so many juicy things here, but to your point about the discomfort, there are two things that come to mind. Do you want to say something before I. Uh, no, it's okay. I, I think I saw the same infographic. You sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's. You know, and so once I saw that, I was like, oh, cool, right? So I think that there are a few things. One, it's uncomfortable to directly face systems of power. That's yeah. terrifying. It's more than uncomfortable. It is, it is terrifying. Like, what is the backlash? And it also is directly confronting that early childhood programming that nearly all people in any society receive of the state is looking out for our best interest. We should simply be grateful. 
<laughs> but it also leaves out the ways in which the state can systemically hurt and endanger and damage people, right? So that's so that's one thing. And to me, there are elements there, I wonder, around some elements of internalized depression um, that people who are targeted by oppression in different ways have around um, the niceness dynamic that might not even be conscious, just around, isn't there a way to say this more pleasantly? And I just want to be really clear to listeners, especially to some of the people of the global majority, um, that's my the phrase I like to use at times for people of color, um, that I am not saying, to be very clear about the earlier conversation, um, I was aware that something was off about the conversation uh, with, with this new friend of mine. And at the same time, um, I am very interested in, I'm interested in doing that deeper work, which a number of people of the global majority for a variety of legitimate reasons don't have the stomach for. And I do. So I want to be clear that I'm not saying, and also this goes for, for white folks too, that I'm not saying that I, I believe that I, it's useful for me to do that. And it seems worth while. And I, and I have some of the bandwidth and access to different folks and different resources that help me heal and process these experiences do you, do you see what I'm trying to say here, Tracy, the nuance I'm trying to yeah. write that in general, I'm, I'm opposed to canceling and there's certain people where the racism is just so extreme. I, and just other traits they have that I personally don't choose to spend time with them. But if there is someone along a range of issues who we connect in other ways, if I can use that connection to both learn from them as well as give them meaningful feedback, just as that very person in other parts of the conversation gave me great meaningful feedback about other elements of my life where they have expertise and was incredibly helpful. And so um, I've been doing healing work for years and continue to do it. So I have the bandwidth when, when annoying, uh, although if you were, if one was there, I think his sincerity in that moment really carried a lot of weight. I know like, if it, because, but it's still, I bristled internally, um, right. but it was, this was in our first conversation, but you, you know, I think I want to yeah. come back to what you said about it distracting. Cause I think that's actually um, an important piece of feedback that we, we, you said quickly. And, um, and I, I want to, unpack that just a little bit, because I think that, you know, especially as you talk about the sincerity, sincerity of this person you were talking to, um, he probably doesn't realize that he was, it was a distraction. Like he genuinely was interested in thinking about the language, but um, that's one of the ways that we have been sort of programmed to kind of divert the conversation away from the thing that's super uncomfortable um, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, I think you were still in the States when, um, when we realized that the, that children were being held in cages basically, um, with the family separation yeah. policy. Um, and some of the activists, um, immigrant activists and human rights activists were calling them concentration camps. And there was yeah. this movement or, you know, this sort of grumbling about calling the concentration camps and and that it was somehow disrespectful to our to our families who perished in in the Shoah and I knew at the time that, that was straight up distraction 
I mean, right. it's not because yeah. it's not about what happened in the show. It's about what's happening right now to human beings right. on our on the U.S. border. And so and that it that it's the same sort of thing that it's the person or people who said, hey, should we really be using the phrase concentration camp weren't actively intentionally thinking I'm going to s- distract away from this human rights abuse efforts, liberation efforts of people right who it are- wasn't it wasn't a, a self-conscious intentional move at least for most people it was sort of like oh wait there's and then kind of a rabbit hole but the effect well, to me in part it was a it was effect- a it was a specific and intense version of hurt people hurt people because there's unresolved trauma there and for all the films that have been made there's still not appropriate attention to the extensive, you know, the extensiveness, the extensive nature of anti-Semitism, and um, but criticizing and critiquing people who are fighting for people who are in essentially modern day concentration camps is not is not helpful. Um, I actually was on a radio program um, around the time with uh, um, an activist from um, CASA Maryland, which is a immigrants rights group here in, in Maryland. And then um, a woman from um, care, I think the council of American Islamic relations, but sort of the Maryland chapter who were all okay. there. And we were talking about this, the, well, there was an, there was an event um, lights for Liberty that happened. And, and I was representing Jews United for justice. And um, the host, the radio host asked me about that as sort of the Jewish representative in this trio. And, um, and my response at the time was, you know what, let, let's let historian figure out what to call them. Let's, let's get rid of them. <laughs> and then we can figure out yes. what, what they should be called. Right. Well, and right. that's kind exactly. of my that's feeling yeah. about distraction. Like, why are we like people are suffering and children are experiencing long-term traumatic, emotional and psychological and spiritual damage right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of my reaction. How to, are we interrupting that? And so, yeah, exactly. And that's, so that's my response to, to this, this fellow who was like, what would have been a more palatable phrase. It's like, you know what, let's, let's figure that out later right now. Let's do what we need to do to dismantle the structures that are allowing black people to be endangered on our streets. And rather than, rather than accepting the racism that's being directed at you as someone who's allying and turning back around and putting that back on us of people of color, you can be like, oh, this is exhausting. Right. It's really obvious <laughs> that racism is, has been really bad in this country ever since it started. And someone literally just got choked out on the street, broad daylight execution. Everyone has an issue with this. At- <laughs> right. Let's not tone police. It's not about the tone. Yeah. Right. It's it's not about wordsmithing at this point. Like, and and as about. different comedians, I, I think his name is Michael Che. As different comedians have noted, it's a very mild statement. Matter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Che's whole thing is not. You know, it's not like stupendous. Not it's just a we. It's like the minimum baseline. It is minimum. It's minimum baseline. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's argue like. <laughs> Just matter, you know, that's what he says, you know, like, yeah, so there's healing there, like, and there's, there's ways, you know, like, 
I, the so- amount of numbness and deceit and internal denial one has to go through in order to critique something that is that obvious. It's well, yeah, <laughs> white supremacy runs deep. Um, it is powerful um, and well-defended. And so at times for- even more powerful for people who have been targeted by it, who've been given conditional access to it, yeah. who are who also have wealth um, or privilege, which is precarious in its own particular ways and also has their different isolating dynamics around our culture. And so all the more that there is reason there to, to be in profound denial, yeah. but it's not an excuse. And there are plenty of owning class and upper middle class Jews uh, who are able to be accountable to that. So it's not impossible. It's a choice. The um, analog that is coming up for me um, as you're, as you're talking about it, like, and coming back to what you said about blaming black folks for racism, like that, like putting it back on black folks for like, what are the right words or the whatever I'm remembering. This is a a long thread, but I'll try and shorten it. Um, um, in Robin D'Angelo's book in white fragility, she talks about this student of hers who says a white student who said, you know, I was really lucky because I grew up in an all white, um, in an all white neighborhood. And so we didn't have any racism. Um, and, D'Angelo talks about how mm-hmm. how horrible that is, um, like so innocent and yet and and yet so naive so that right. and inaccurate, right? Like that that racism is black people's problem is a problem with black people. That when they come, that's when racism comes, um, and which is a similar a similar sort of thread, not the same to what um, to to this sort of why can't we use different language? Um, and it also reminds me of those who say or believe that somehow the Holocaust was the Jews fault, which I I saw a statistic recently that some startling percentage of American young people actually hold that belief, Um, which for our Jewish listeners, I hope is, is making you um, cringe because it should make us all just really, um, really nervous. It's a similar sort of dynamic. So that was my long Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that like, you know, I haven't thought of it. It usually takes me a little while to think of a, of a corollary, but like, to me, that's like, it's a little bit like the black lives matter thing. And it's not at all the same. So this isn't the best example. It's almost like somebody being like, it's so hard to pronounce bat mitzvah. Like, why can't they just make it bat mitzvah? Like it would just be so much easier if you just, or just called it like the Jewish rite of passage, right? Like there's a, right. Like the level of entitlement to come into a community and say, offer something about their culture or their liberation strategies is quite um, chutzpahdik and is, is indicative of the position, the positional power a person has that they feel that they have any right to comment. to dictate something even just in casual conversation but just to, to think that they would have any any um idea yeah uh, or even yeah. if they did that 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 they're that somehow that's smarter than than the folks deeply involved in the trenches right Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. 
To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.